Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and for today for cinema culture as well. I'm Kofi Outlaw, your host, and joining me today on this episode, I have my regular co-host, Mr. Matthew Aguilar. What's up, everybody? I have Janelle Wheeler. Hello, hello. And... Our most recurring guest ever. We've even just made him a cot in the back somewhere. Mr. Connor Case is with us. Today we have a fine assortment of Barbenheimer. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to Marty Scores. We getting into cinema today, baby. So as you know, we are your uh, favorite podcast that does it all for geek culture, but it is a big weekend in cinema, as Connor just indicated. It is Barbieheimer weekend. So on this show, we are going to be dropping our reviews of both Barbie and Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. I don't know why we're not saying Greta Gerwig's Barbie if we're going to be dropping Nolan Oppenheimer's everywhere. But uh, we're going to give you our spoiler-free impressions of both films coming out this weekend help you with your Barbie Heimer dilemma. The answer is see both, but you know, we'll make it a debate before we get to that. Other than that, this episode, we love to give you guys a rundown. We're going to be talking about some news. A new trailer has dropped that we got to talk about. I know Matt's over there itching to talk about, so we're going to let him cook. We are going to talk about something that's going on on the DC side. We're going to do regular check-ins to see what is going on because this is Comic-Con 2023 weekend and even though it is a lot less than we expected it to be there are still things happening so we have comic-con watch going on as we're doing this live show like i said we'll be reviewing the two movies barbie and oppenheimer then after the break we are going to be talking about a couple things we got to make sure to keep an eye on including what's going on with marvel's secret invasion there's a new mystery or a new mystery there's a new movie out that i just want to put a spotlight on real quick Plus, there's a lot happening in actual comics, and we got to talk about all of it. So, trying to keep it tight today. Let's get up to the top. Matt, what's this little trailer that dropped this morning that you may have a passing interest in? Can you tell <laughs> us about that, buddy? Yeah, it, uh, it's, it was a fine night to go see Barbie and then come home and write a bunch of Marvel's articles <laughs> because uh, the Marvel's dropped its trailer literally like 20 minutes after I got home. Uh, so it was, it was awesome. It was a whole countdown with the pager and everything. Uh, and then we got a brand new poster and we got a brand new trailer, which you can't see on comicbook.com. Uh, I actually ended up watching the teaser trailer 
in comparison. Uh, and there was actually a ton of new footage in this. It, same themes, right? So it plays up the same themes that the teaser did, and, and it elaborates on the plot of everybody kind of the energy being intermingled so that when they use their powers, they start swapping places. It gives more kind of uh, context for that. But it's just, like, super fun. Like, uh, the thing I left away from this most was, like, the team-up of these three is going to, at least it, it appears to live up to expectations. There's some great scenes towards the end of them just interacting in fight scenes, especially one between like Monica and Carol. And like, she's like, you, you just handle that. And it's after the flirting thing. Right. And Carol, like the, the look on Bree's face is just great. And it's just a bunch of stuff like that. It just seems super lighthearted fun. There's going to be obviously some, some heavier themes in there, of course, but like, that's what we really wanted from this movie. And so I think it looks appears that way. We're actually going to get it. Also that poster is nice. <laughs> that poster is going to be a poster on my wall at some point in time, uh, but super fun. Yeah. Just hit last night. Uh, perfect end to a night. I took a picture in a Barbie box earlier in the night. <laughs> and then uh, you don't have it. You don't have those assets Barbies. here. And baby. Hey, what flirted, are you doing, Mm. Hey, we're producing. Yeah, we're producing a high, a high production show here. We we should have your Barbie box thing loaded up and ready to go on screen right now. I haven't but, shared uh, it yet, but Anissa uh, shared it like on her Instagram <laughs> before me. I haven't shared it yet. Oh yeah, um, I mean yeah. these wives, moms, they they're on it with the social media. She was so like, I already shared it. I was like, oh my god, yep, you haven't even sent it to me. Gone. Yeah, exactly. That's how <laughs> so, it happens, man. Uh, so yeah. that's an Easter egg for all our listeners. If you're a hardcore fan, see if you can't track down this picture of Matt and the Barbie box. <laughs> Janelle. Yeah. Janelle Wheeler, what did you think of the as our most kind of casual fan? What did yeah. you think of the Marvel's trailer? I just have, can I just start with this? I'm having the hardest time uh, watching Kamala because I, all I can think of is the comic book that she's dead. Like yeah. it is, it, it is it, I don't know why it's yeah. really in my oh, mind. Like at the forefront, it, it like oh, hurts it. to see her. I'm like, oh my god, she's that's, alive. Um, that's for the show, we have something to address later in the show about. Yes, that. we do. <laughs> oh, okay. Separate, separating those feelings. Um, I feel so much more aligned with Carol right now. Like I feel like she seems like nicer. I don't know, more relatable, down to earth. Um, just by this trailer, it, it seems really cute. I almost feel like her relationship with these other two characters is actually going to make us hopefully love her um, the way that I do in the comics, because I feel like she is empathetic and, and lovely. And I am hoping that we're going to get that. It feels like we are. Um, and I still like, I, I'm not super pumped about like them just like, like the, power swap thing like that doesn't intrigue me very much but i'm hoping that every other part of it will keep me you know really into it the, that's a good jumping off point for me um for me i think that and i've said this i mean if you guys and some of you are <laughs> based on the numbers some of you are going back and listening to our old podcast and <laughs> kind of, if you're getting the show because the numbers keep growing on those oh god like, but um <laughs> You know, we, we did one of our first big things we did on this podcast in like season one, I believe, was tackling yeah. Captain Marvel. And if you go back and listen to that podcast, I was I was more pissed than I think anybody about how they kind of box themselves in with that movie with the whole brainwash. She can't have personality, but she's a person who clearly exudes personality. But how do you play that? How do you do a Nick Fury and her bonding story while she's brainwashed and like all that stuff was so murky 
And then, like people pointed out, since then, it's just like she pops up here and there and Endgame for like a quirky, hey, Peter Parker. And it's just like uh, it, it was those moments are good, but it's like nobody in the MCU has. There's two big things they have not resolved in many, many years that they needed to. Who bought Avengers Tower and who the hell is Carol Danvers, <laughs> right? Like those are two lingering mysteries. We definitely it. should have known by now, but have not like gotten anything from. So I'm with you guys. I think, and Brie Larson's had to carry a lot of that backlash, which is nuts because she is able to obviously have, I mean, look at her in Fast X, like just having right. fun, being personable and just like actually being a charismatic character, it's like, yeah, give give her something to cook with and let's see what happens here. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to not only see her do it, but also to see her be able to, because no actor, I mean, it's harder to monologue than it is to dialogue, right? Like, so giving people to bounce off of and able players, like Sam Jackson is is a daunting figure. And in some ways, there are just some ways that like Carol Danvers and Nick Fury can bond, but can't, you know, being military people, but can't bond in the way yeah. that like these three ladies will be able to and the banter and and we're going to get into it again but Tayona Paris is I mean if you're talking about charisma yes, WandaVision sure. if you if you watch the movie we're going to talk about today which is Netflix's they clone Tyrone yo that uh, you have to check that out if nothing else as a showcase of how good she is because she is one of the leads and she's with Jamie Foxx and John Boyega and not only holds her own but like carries many a scene on her own with the two of them on screen with her. So I'm really excited. And Iman Vellani is just living the dream right now. And so this trailer actually really did spark me up a lot of my hype for the Marvels. First of all, Nia DaCosta looks like she shot a great movie. Um, It looks like the Marvel like effects teams and editing. I think the real head, the heroes of this, while the powers thing doesn't intrigue me as a story point necessarily, the editing and the actual visual experience of watching the movie feels like it's going to be a lot of fun for the same reasons I enjoyed the main reason I enjoyed the flash, right? Which was ironically Ezra Miller doing their dual Barry role thing was actually a fun dynamic to that movie. I feel like when, when it happens and how this story dynamic works is as people have already pointed out is it kind of forces them over the course of the movie to literally and figuratively come together as as a team in the same place because they've got to master this whole switching thing and they can't do it over across great distances so i i'm i'm excited for it as a story mechanic and i'm excited for the real mvps of this movie i think are going to be the editors and their ability to kind of cut these moments tiktok style into you know there's going to be the tiktok movie right like TikTok people style. just and then you're somebody else all of a sudden. If you're just listening to this, I just did a mock TikTok impression that of middling success. So, um, yeah, and I think that that just got my hype level up for this movie. And it just looks like something like freaking fun from Marvel movies. Like we haven't really had a lot of that. It's been a lot of heavier stuff. And I'm just looking forward to having fun with this. And so... Um, this put it on my on my radar a whole lot more than it was before, and especially since this might be some of the last big content we get. Yeah, this might be the last one, right? This is November, and what's on deck after that? Ooh, New World Ooh, Order, maybe. World, which had to stop yeah. filming, right? Yeah, oh, yep. I think it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So. No, no, no. Everything's gone after this. We might not even get Aquaman at the, and we're going to talk about that. Because we might not even get Aquaman, two, right? 
before. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, this oof, man. Oh man, but that's incredible. Yeah, this might be it for a minute. The people think fake. Yeah. So we might be. uh, Yeah. Might have to get this one in. But uh, Connor, what'd you think? Uh, A couple thoughts. Uh, My first thought was, wow, Spider-Man 25 was stupid because I was immediately reminded, like Janelle, of the ridiculous death of Kamala Khan. Uh, Speaking of which, after this trailer, I'm only more confident in the fact that she is about to run away with this movie. Uh, She looks like she's having the time of her life, and I think that is really going to show on screen. Uh, This was our first real look at, is it Zawe Ashton? Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, as a villain, as the villain, yeah. That I, I yeah, got, yeah. um, I got some Ronan the accuser, not just because of the hammer. I got some Ronan the accuser vibes of like, and eh, she might be wind up getting overshadowed by the by the the trinity of the top three actresses, and um, uh, yeah, it's you're, it's hard for me to get upset when there's a bunch of kittens in a room. So bring on the baby Florkins. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, Darbeen, uh. Like it, I hope that at some point we move either shift that character or bring in because, like, I feel like that's just a setup for L'Oreal at some point in time. Because obviously, like, the hammer like switches hands, you can see it in the trailer mm-hmm. at one point. Uh, you know, Monica has it, another point, Carol has it. So, like, you can see that, like, that thing. I hope that thing leads to a L'Oreal reveal because that character is also fantastic. So the reveal is a big shampoo bottle. I'm confused. L'Oreal is her half sister in the comics. (laughs) I'm glad (laughs) someone got that. uh, So yes. uh, But I hope that that leads to that because that's the thing. Like she has the hammer at some point and it starts to become, and Carol has the hammer at one point in the comics too. The hammer of not Thor. But uh, but yeah, so I, I hope we move there. And also, I, I love the little touches. Like one of the other, what Kofi mentioned, and then we'll move on. But like one of the things that Kofi mentioned was like long answered, you know, things we need answers to. And the other thing that's been out there, right, is like what happened with Carol and Monica's relationship? Because we saw them, you know, she was like her aunt, you know, it was very much in the first movie. And then there's this big space of time and like WandaVision, like, you know, did a little nod to it, but like that was it. And so here, even in the trailer, like you see, she's already been keeping up with her life while she's been in space. The synopsis talks about, you know, how she's just pretty much been kind of owning this whole thing on her own up there in space. And now it's kind of like she has to share the load. And you see themes of that in the trailer too. So I'm excited for, for what they're going to answer. It, th- there is a question that was raised in the Slack last night, which where this takes place. Because does it take place before Secret Invasion? Because of well, Colby Smolders is on the cast list, so right? That, yeah. So does it take place after? Do we see some scroll action here, or does it take place before? Because my whole thing was, if it takes place before, then Secret Invasion—the one thing Secret Invasion had going for it—I now don't care about because I was interested to see how it ended to lead into the Marvels. If that's not the case, then. Why the hell do I care about that show anymore? It was hanging on by a thread. That's the other thing this trailer reminded me of was, God, I do not care about Secret Invasion anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So that was it. But yeah. Yeah. People are pointing out how Nick Fury looks in this and his eye patch and things like that. I just have a horrible feeling this is before Secret Invasion. And like the whole connection we've all been waiting for is going to be like, Carol accepting she doesn't have to carry the load of defending space by herself. And one scene of her talking to Fury and basically being like, and neither do you. 
and yeah. Fury being like, yeah, maybe I should go home. And I then mean, I'm going to be like, ah, like throw right, up my hands and just be like, I'm done. <laughs> like I'm right out. now, the only connection seems to be, hey, the president died in this one. So here's Harrison Ford as the president. That seems to be yeah, it. So. The crowd and are, are going to get off my plane. Our, our expert. <laughs> and it is his plane. Yeah, our expert panel seems to agree that this is after. Um, I know that I just wrote up an article that the statue from of Liberty from No Way Home is fully completed. There's a shot of that, so it's all rebuilt. So we know it's at least significant time after No Way Home to have completed the statue that they wrecked. So that's all I got, guys. That's all I got for sure. Um, but all right, we, we're going to go with this. Um, we had another story to lead off news uh, Janelle, that we were going to talk about Aquaman 2. You want to give us some quick Yeah. I'm going to cut this one down. Just, man, this is a really quick rundown, guys. Aquaman sequel reportedly has gone through three reshoots, two Batmans, and multiple test screenings. So there is a lot of shakeup going on with Aquaman. I think the big takeaway that people are saying is that, well, at least we know they're putting time, energy, and really trying to salvage this thing. Oh, crap. Is that what people say? Oh, my God. I mean, okay. the silver line in the take. article, a silver lining that DC comic fans can take from this that, that there's been a concerted effort to save the film. So, yes, I feel like that's what you have to kind of just like take they from tried, this. They tried to save the Flash, too. Look how that turned out. Yeah, I think yeah, that... I mean, yeah, that's yeah, probably no, why sorry, they're yeah. working no, so hard on this one. Yeah, that's, that's probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My takeaway, and it's a lengthy article, was that Aquaman 2 has been this film that has gone through three different eras of DC leadership since it began. Like, which is absolutely berserk. And yeah. like, those three eras have resulted in three different visions that have resulted in three different reshoots and a complete changing because this was the film that we learned that cracked open the story of how like Michael Keaton's Batman was supposed to be the new Nick Fury of the reestablished DCU after the flash. He was going to pop up, you know, people thought he would be in Batgirl and then the flash. And then it was going to be like surprise, like, Hey, he's an Aquaman. He's recruiting a new justice league and doing this stuff. And then all that got thrown out. And so they had to bring Ben Affleck back in and it's like doing this. Stuff. And then DC studios got announced. So now we got to make this kind of sync up. As of right now, they, there is no Batman in it at all. Just throw Robert Pattinson in there. I would care. Oh, was, I didn't even get to that part. I didn't even notice that. So there's no Batman at all. There's anymore, no Batman right, right now. Oh, but they're wow. saying during Ugh. test screenings, things could change. And yeah, the test screenings yeah. have been like, and the funny part is the test screenings are like, this is okay. And then like the people that were supposed to kind of hold it down, I guess, for Zaslav after Hamada were like, we have a bunch of ideas and they came in and they changed a bunch of stuff and then they showed it again and people were like, this is worse. And they were like, Oh, <laughs> so the experts just kind of like, yeah. And this is like Warner brothers to a T. I mean, this is what Warner brothers has been and why DC has been such a mess. It's just the changing tides, no pun. Well, pun intended changing tides has just, it's always like this. And one team undercuts the next team and it's just, it's like comic creators gone mad on meth, right? Like every two days, like new creative team coming in, whole new storyline. Forget that other thing. Like uh, Aquaman 2 Upper Decker. You guys are crazy in the comments. <laughs> Aquaman <laughs> so many good puns. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. It, it, but I mean, the first one made a billion dollars. So I don't know. James Wan has a lot of confidence in it. Uh, Jason Momoa concerns me by saying I've already been paid and 
Yeah, again, I have no idea. But hey, but hey, Blue Beetle's still looking good, right, Matt? You know, so it does look good. I'm pumped for that movie. All right, let's let's check in with uh, Comic Con, uh, Janelle, on our comic. You are our Comic Con check in person for this week. Hi. Uh, oh yeah. So I'm just um I'm perusing the tweets. I'm checking yeah. anything trending. I will say that uh, one of the standouts to me is that they announced they're going to have a Comic-Con cruise. <laughs> oh, boy. Nobody learned oh. from uh, from Star Wars. Huh? Everybody's going on the cruise line. I will Business. say like this. This is not something that I would personally want to participate no. in. You're now, stuck. have you ever wanted to bring the Comic-Con smell? That's exactly boat. what I was thinking. <laughs> is it going to be Hall F for float? <laughs> oh, uh, God. This well, is. Everyone gets the con flu. Now it's the con cruise. Cruise flu. flu. I got uh, really sick on my cruise. This is from Tampa to Cozumel. It's like. Yeah, four, we are taking two super nights. spreader events and making yeah. them combine. Um, that, that is that. I was really shocked when they when they announced that um something that i've been doing is really just paying attention to our own social media so like the instagram specifically at comic book like it's been pretty fire like that's how i saw all the trailers that's how i've been kind of paying attention to what's going on i saw the trailer good- for um the bar it was like a barbie teenage mutant ninja turtle shakeup uh trailer this morning it was really really cute and i liked the way that they kind of promoted that new movie that's going to be coming out i had no interest in it at all and then i saw this trailer and i thought it was adorable and i i love the stacked um actors that they have the voice actors in it and so that seems pretty cool is there anything that's standing out for you guys the spider-man uh, Connor, you had yeah the spider-man 2 story trailer dropped uh, it it shows a little bit more Harry Osborn, which was a big question that was kind of lingering over the first game, and we get to see Venom in all of his uh, Tony Todd voiced glory. That was awesome. Um, honestly, it, 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 it was kind of my reaction was like, "This is awesome." I didn't need any of this. I'm already buying the game. Yeah, and we all buying the game. Like we, I'm not even going to watch it, but you know, good for them, right? Yeah, gives you something to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I'm yes, seeing- like the comment said. I mean, sorry, three ahead, three tra- trailers, Mortal Kombat. Um, I mean, there's it's <sighs> Kofi kind of said it. It's there's not a ton of big news, but I feel like there's fun stuff. Like if you are certain fandoms, you are enjoying certain parts of it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is actually our passive aggressive way. We were, I was supposed to go to Comic Con, but then like everything got canceled, SAG got mm-hmm. happened, and then we had to scale back our comic book uh, team this year. So then now then a bunch of us just ended up hanging around here. <laughs> and so we're just checking in. So we're going to be doing a passive aggressive check in on Comic Con 2020 <laughs> all throughout this show because uh, I'm both disappointed and mad and slightly relieved because I was tired. But you know, <laughs> it is happening. So we will keep, uh, being relevant but you know funny enough this year this would be normally the week where and if you guys know anything about comic-con history like whatever movies tend to get come out that week kind of get swallowed up right because there's <laughs> yeah all this stuff happening hall h is happening it's not the best week to release a movie but this year is the flip-flop has happened for the first time since 2008 when mama mia went head to head with the dark night we are back with a competitive weekend at the box office that seems to be making everybody happy and that's great. And it's a Barbenheimer weekend. So Oppenheimer is out. And so is Barbie. And the real thing I came on this show today is I'm so hyped 
to hear Matt's review of Barbie. So we're going to let him cook, but we're just going to take the Oppenheimer part uh, first. We're not going to get too crazy. We're just going to give you a spoiler-free impressions right now. I believe Connor Casey and I are the ones who saw Oppenheimer. And uh, we did a whole hour-long breakdown of Oppenheimer in full spoilers. I mean, we get deep on some cinema questions. We talk about Nolan films. We talk about what this movie is all about. Some of the more confusing parts people are probably going to have questions about. And how does this all relate to the Dark Knight Rises or the Dark Knight trilogy? Because I got tinfoil hat theories. And uh, we did that all as a bonus round episode. So be sure, if you haven't, to subscribe to Comic Book Nation on YouTube and on your podcast platforms because we are dropping content left and right. And uh, the Oppenheimer spoilers discussion episode is a great one. It's me, Connor Casey, and Daily Distraction host Chris Killian all getting into this movie after, like, right after we saw it in IMAX for a screening. So what I'll say in my review portion just for this spoiler-free review is after more and more days, uh, and it's just seeing other people's reactions kind of pop up, I think this is one of Nolan's finer films. And, you know, thank you, Connor, for not calling me out on the spoilers podcast that when I was ranking Nolan films, I totally forgot about The Prestige. And I don't know how. You mentioned it once, but I totally forgot to count that one in my lineup. So I have some revised ideas, but we're not going to get into that. But this is very much like The Citizen Kane for Nolan, um, one of those big, I mean, what we call cinema. I'm joking in the beginning, but seriously, cinema movies. Um, yeah, one of the more interesting biopic portraits I've ever seen. People are already put posting clips online, which is this is a three hour movie of dialogue driven, rapid fire dialogue driven scenes. So it's amazing to see social media react and how they're already cutting this up into GIFs and clips and memes. Um, but yeah, just great performances, really well, the best use of like Nolan's nonlinear editing and to create kind of thematic you know, convergences and all that stuff. Um, just well-made, well-acted. Killian Murphy is going to be in that Oscar conversation. So is Robert Downey Jr. I think other people in this movie might too. Uh, and yeah, even though this is a kind of period piece thing driven by dialogue scenes, it is such a spectacle visually in the way that it's made and that you should see it in a big screen and on IMAX. And I feel like Nolan's kind of gotten a little Aronofsky in him now that I've had more time to reflect with just those stylistic motifs that keep repeating throughout the film and thing like that. Got to go see Oppenheimer. Connor Casey, what do you say? I would say this is Nolan's best since inception. Uh, this is an outstanding film. One of my favorites of the year. Uh, the cast is obscenely stacked and Nolan's usage of everybody from top to bottom uh, should be studied. Like this is, it is obscene how over a dozen big name actors all pop up in this movie, whether it's for small short scenes or in the background of some, and then at the forefront of others to where you're, you're blown away by the end. I love that the reaction has been positive. The only consistent criticism I've seen is that it's a little too long given it's three hour runtime. My argument is I look at the movie and I go, where do you cut? Because it's such a, it's such a, it builds upon itself so much that to take out anything, I think, would lessen the impact of that last 40-minute run. Um, like you said, Killian Murphy, he is going to get some award consideration. Robert Downey Jr., if anybody gets best supporting besides him, I don't know how the hell it happens. And uh, I hope that after a series of films 
for Nolan that feel like reactions to certain criticisms about his filmmaking style. I hope this is the next era where he's just trying to make legitimately great movies and not worried about what anybody else is saying. Here, here. I could second that one. Um, so go see Oppenheimer. That's our recommendation for that half of Oppenheimer Day. Now for what I'm here for. Maddie, take it away. You went out and saw Barbie, and I am so curious to hear what you had to say about it. Well, I am so pumped for like everyone to see it because I, I think it is it's a uh you know what a feast of like there's so much so many riches at the box office right now uh and oppenheimer looks awesome i cannot think of i wanted after i saw this movie i i was i even looked over at anisa because we went and saw it together on the rare date night for us <laughs> we saw it together uh and i looked over and i was like i could like go back in and watch that again i was like that was so it was so fun and yet uh, there are some wonderfully uh, touching and reflective moments throughout, uh, especially once you kind of move towards the end. Uh, it's there was the I remember in the tagline of the of the trailer, they were kind of like, you know, if you love Barbie, this movie's for you. And if you hate Barbie, this movie's for you. And I thought they did a wonderful job of actually living up to that that tagline and exploring all these different facets around the you know, the doll, the brand, everything that has kind of built this empire. Uh, Mattel is under the microscope, right? They're very self-aware, you know, and and there's and there's even like fun nods. Like it's very fun and it's it's hilarious. Like I, I, I laughed, you know, all the way through. But there's, you know, great moments. Like there's this one like really, and this is a non-spoiler review, so no worries. I'm not going to go deep into anything, but I'm going to touch on a few things. Uh, the, you know, at one point, Barbie's like, it's a, it's a low point. There are a couple of low points for Barbie, but the, it's a particular low point for her. And, you know, Margot Robbie's like acting the hell out of the scene, right? And then like the, there's a great thing of the narration going, we are aware that like, if we wanted you to really feel this scene, we wouldn't have cast someone like as pretty as, Mar <laughs> as Margot Robbie. Like they're very, like they just say it like the whole theater just rolled, right? Cause it, it's just like great scene. And it doesn't undercut the message. Cause like right after, they keep going with it and they progress with the scene and there's something to be learned from that sequence. So it's not like, I know a thing we get in the Marvel movies a lot about like undercutting the moment and robbing it of its emotional weight. And they don't do that here. There's it's funny and you laugh, but they keep rolling with the sequence and you, by the end of it, you come away with the message. I feel like anyway, you were supposed to come away with um, and the impact. It doesn't rob it of that. So, you know, it's Barbie lands, so bright and fun and colorful and like there's even like for me anyway shades of elf and like the whole going back and forth between you know between worlds and things like there's so much fun there and it, it has that kind of whimsical vibe that elf had but you know the the real world sequences that you've seen in the trailers and stuff uh there's there's a lot of like really great interaction there's a lot of great exchanges and it's it's a really kind of a story about you know mothers and daughters as much it is as it is about barbie and the empire and what someone growing up in that barbie world would want for themselves and so there's there's just a lot of great really great weighty stuff i uh, i will say fantastic soundtrack um also it has been spoiled in articles and stuff so i feel like i can say it you know john cena has talked about like his role in this that is he he pops up 
twice and they're it's fantastic it's just it's small but it's but it's great uh but the soundtrack for this is so beautifully used like it's not just that it's good like there's a billy Eilish song that you can go watch right now that video is already fantastic and the song is great but it is used so perfectly in the movie and i mean yeah like i teared up during one sequence like there's they it's it's really supremely well done and i think greta gerwig deserves a lot of credit for taking this property and taking this, you know, this character and everything else and making it fun and feeling like it embodies that, but also having analyzing it and putting it under the microscope and showing some of its rougher edges. So I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I would absolutely go see it again. Um, one thing Anissa oh did say God. was that this is uh, all well and good. I want to know how Anissa felt. Come on. Anissa <laughs> said that, well, Anissa loved it too. Uh, and she said she was actually by the end of it, she was like, uh, I would watch a whole movie of Issa Rae as President Barbie. <laughs> and whenever I get that movie, we're good. I will go see that on day one. Uh, the cast is, you know, fantastic. I will say Ryan Gosling's Ken is a scene stealer throughout the entire thing. He is absolutely hilarious. Like he just he just commits wholeheartedly and his facial expressions and some of his dialogue is just so absurd and he just sells it. He's Ken, right? And so you just buy in. Simu Lu is fantastic as a, you know, as kind of that uh rival for Ken. So yeah, there's just it's so much so much good. She loved it. She she walked away and and you know, she was she had a great time. So she was one of she was the one who actually initially got me so fired up to see it and so you know you're talking about two very different audiences in me and her as far as like the media we consume all the time and it made us happy and the whole theater which was pretty was just full uh had like was laughing at all those spots like everyone was laughing together it was one of those it felt like a screening type of environment but it wasn't it was just a thursday night showing so uh i hope it i hope it does well uh box office numbers suggest that so uh yeah we're we're good man you yeah. should go it's dope Listen, a big part of my job, I think, is like, and I know this sounds corny, but like keeping your ear to the streets and listening like what regular people are saying in crowded spaces. Yeah, Barbie Barbie is about to make a whole lot of money. I haven't heard this much party talk, I think, since The Great Gatsby was released, where Ooh. people were like dressing up and going to parties and then going to this movie and then going oh, man. drinking afterwards. Like, at the, yeah, at the it, theater, it's, they had the Barbie yeah. box, right? There was a yeah. line after the showing. People came out. And it was, you know, when you walk into the theater. And oh, the AMC $65 Barbie car box. Yeah. So that thing, like yeah, when that thing you is... walk in, right? It's it's when you walk in to scan your ticket. People came out of the theater, went back that way, got in line and had people taking their pictures. Like, we were in a line of people to take that. Like that's, it's an uh, attraction. Yeah. It's becoming that, you know. No, um, I'm thinking they're they're also selling like a, a as a promotion. You know, AMC does like their popcorn box and stuff. I think they have a whole oh, like yeah. fifty five dollar Bobby Barbie car. No, this both of these movies are actually going to make money for theaters, and I was writing about that. Like, it's good because I meant whether it's the IMAX sales, the concession sales, like the special premiums they're doing for like Barbie and stuff, and the attractions, like you said, it's a good weekend for theaters and and movies alike. I had two questions. For you, one was from the comments, which was, or no, one I had was, do you think like some other people? I was trying to get Phase Zero host Jamie Girac on here because she's like the only one of us that has seen both movies. She 
toughed it out last night and saw Oppenheimer, but I think she might be half dead right now. So shout out to Jamie Girac and sorry we couldn't get you in here, but I wanted to get a, our official Barbie Heimer verdict. Um, but she said that Ryan Gosling, she would consider put him in the Oscars race. Do you think that's also accurate? Hmm. You know, uh, if someone did, I like, I might not jump to that conclusion like initially, but if someone did, I wouldn't argue it. I'd be like, yeah, I can support that. Like he's, he is phenomenal. Like he just sells, he just sells the dialogue. So, well. I mean, there's this whole running joke, right? That like, okay. So like, uh, for example, the whole beach off thing, right. In the trailers, like that's funny enough. Like it's fine. It's whatever. But the beach thing is such a running thing. And, like, typically, as we've seen in other movies, like, that would die on arrival after, like, the second or third time. Gosling sells it <laughs> every single time. And it doesn't pop up, like, 30 times, but it pops up enough. And, like, he sells it a different way each time. Because, like, right, Ken's description on his box says he's his skill is beach. That's the joke. So, like, it's not lifeguard. That's a whole running thing of, like, he's trying to find a job. Like, there's all this stuff. And so he's it's his skill is beach. And so he just he does it so well. He navigates stuff. And like you're dealing with some like weighty themes at one point, And he's like still walking that line so well of just being completely blissfully dumb. It's <laughs> it's 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 great. He's I wouldn't argue. Uh, all right. And final question from Andrew over on YouTube. What age? What's the age cutoff you think for kids for this movie? Um. There's going to be some stuff that younger kids won't get like it. They'll kind of be like, you know, especially like as we move towards the end and some of those bigger threads are being wrapped up. There's going to be some stuff that we're like, they're kind of, I don't know if you have, you know, kids that like kind of need to have their attention pulled, you know, for like longer bits of time, which I feel like describes most kids. You might lose them a couple of times. Like it, <laughs> there's some spots in there that like, it's not really a, kids movie i think kids will of of an older group or maybe just like you know depend on your you know child's maturity level and stuff some kids are super young and can watch an entire movie and be fine and be fascinated but you'll have to kind of judge it for how your child watches a movie i wouldn't say blanket like all kids it's just i don't i don't think there'll be not from like that there's anything like derogatory though there are some adult there is adult humor in this so yes like they're up to that level there is some adult humor but you know, I don't know if like every kid would be just like glued from <laughs> from beginning to end. You know, you got an age, buddy. Um, and above, you like you know what? Man, that's hard. Like ten and above, I'd say. <laughs> okay, Easy? there you go. I'd say ten. All and right. above. I mean, like yeah, somewhere in there. You know, we got to a number. That's all I needed. My successor time is over. All right, that is our review of Barbie. Be sure to go on comicbook.com, movies, comic book, all one word, dash movies, or backslash movies, and read reviews of both Oppenheimer and Barbie. Some of our excellent critics did both. I believe Patrick Cavanaugh did Oppenheimer, and Nicole Drum maybe did Barbie, I believe. Mm -hmm. So both excellent critics that we have here on Comic Book. Go read their reviews. We have to take a break because our producer is yelling at us. We got to pay the bills. And when we come back, we're going to quickly touch on some things that are going on the small screen right now, plus some big things happening in comics. So stay tuned for all of that.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and cinema culture today. We have just done a whole breakdown of both Barbie and Oppenheimer reviews, non-spoiler, of course. We also talked about what's going on at Comic-Con 2023, if anything, the Marvel's trailer, and what's happening with DC's Aquaman 2. So if you missed the first half of the show, be sure to rewind. And to people in the comments asking, I believe I just saw an article that uh, I think like one of the most famous DJs in the world did Barbie score, like Mark Ronson or somebody, I believe, because somebody was asking in the comments, but I believe, oh, that's good. I think, believe it's Barbie with Mark Ronson. Anybody want to check me on that while I host? Sure. Uh, Matt, you are muted. Damn it. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> He's on the credits. Ronson. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it's Mark Ronson. Yeah, so Mark Ronson oversaw the score. And he, in the brief interview I blew through, he was just saying like, even he was like, I didn't know how important movie, music was going to be in this movie when I started. He's like, by the time we were done, uh, the most famous, <laughs> by the time we were done, like, yeah. It, so they put a lot of work into that soundtrack and, and Matt said it, it mattered. So cool. All right, moving on to what's on the small screen. Um, I just want to mention that I am three quarters of the way through Netflix's They Clone Tyrone, which I, I mentioned during our Marvels chat because that movie stars John Boyega, Jamie Foxx, and Tayona Paris, who is starring in the Marvels and plays Monica Rambeau. And um, yo, They Clone Tyrone is a wild movie. Uh, like one part kind of almost like new neo black exploitation flick with sci-fi kind of horror overtones. It, it It's really kind of just such a wild combination, but it, it works and uh, very enjoyable. And if nothing else, if you're a Marvel fan, fan listening to this, like I said, you've got to see this just to see Tayona Paris like in what she does in this movie, because she is starring on screen with Jamie Foxx, and John Boyega, and she not only holds her own, but like really is a major scene stealer in this. And it's directed by Jewel Taylor, who also wrote it with uh, a Tony Ritten mayor. And this is kind of a it's it's a directorial debut and one of the best I've ever seen. First of all, just the black exploitation version of it basis looks fantastic, and the cast is fantastic. I mean, like it is just taking place in this grimy city that might be Atlanta or somewhere. I, I don't know if they ever kind of establish where it is, but it feels like Atlanta or Memphis or something more Southern. But uh, yeah, it's a grimy neighborhood where you have this kind of big sci-fi reveal and it is nuts. And I don't want to do any spoilers, but there is a popular, very popular TV actor who shows up in this movie for cameo. I don't know how well known that is, but uh he is he is nuts and it was like again this has been a cameo heavy week and this was a great one too so yeah check out uh they clone tyrone on netflix um it, it's so 
if you're just not going to do the Barbieheimer thing this weekend, or if you did and you just want another great kind of cinema high, this movie is unlike anything I ever seen. And I think it kind of reminds me of something like The Harder They Fall, which is a movie from a director with its own unique style and vision and just kind of coming out of nowhere and, and really being good. And this was a, a script that was on the blacklist. So yeah, it, it's, it's, it's pretty nuts and it's a lot of things combined together. So check out they clone Tyrone. Did anybody start this movie or have any thoughts or are we just moving on? I'm, I know it exists now because of you. Yeah. I haven't right. had a chance Ooh. yet. So I will be jumping in. Yeah, and yeah, Jamie Jamie Foxx is alive, at least in this movie, or it gives you hope that he can clone him, if not. And uh, he put that out in the marketing, which is <laughs> which is pretty funny. I don't know if you saw that tweet. He's like, they have, he said something about like they haven't cloned me yet or something like that. Anyway, shout out to everybody involved in that. It's a great movie. Check it out. Let's talk Secret Invasion, okay? Ooh, we have right, to. So, yeah, we got to do it really quick. So Secret Invasion Episode 5 is out. And again, I just... This series is so weird to me because I was writing up an article about how the first episodes, as we're recording this, the first episode, three episodes have debuted on Hulu. And I was like, kind of, as I was writing about that, I was like, yeah, you know, this is almost, a, this is a good move because this almost feels more like a series that should be on Hulu with a more adult audience than on Disney plus with Marvel fanboys, because the whole crux of this series is, just, I mean, what works in Oppenheimer kind of works here. Just really good scenes of talented actors being able to play off one another and have these great conversations. Like, my favorite thing in episode five is Sam Jackson and Olivia Coleman together and just them having a conversation and, and getting to know each other while doing some super spy stuff, right? And there's a whole bunch of MCU gobbledygook about Harvest and Avenger blood and all this other stuff. Battle of Earth. The Battle of Earth. But I was just like seeing Sam Jackson and Olivia Coleman just, you know, bounce off each other throughout all that gobbledygook was the thing I really care about in this series. So it's the first time I think I've seen a series that like where the sum, like where the sum just somehow is not equal to the parts. Like all the parts are good but the sum just doesn't feel like anything to me. And I'm just like, this is a series and these are events that are happening and I care about the people they're happening to, but as a Marvel cinematic universe chapter, like, eh. And I don't think that we're going to get that game changing twist of anything that makes us go, Oh, beyond Rhodey being a scroll. I think it's just going to be a showdown episode. The Nick Fury is going to feel like he either got his groove back or is dead or something. And that's going to be kind of it. And it's just like, uh, I don't know. This feels like kind of something of a bust. But that's just me, and I'm kind of negative. How do you guys feel about it? I'm right there with you. I, it's There are pieces of this that work. Olivia Coleman, I think, continues to be the standout because she's just having fun. And Sam Jackson in anything is going to bring a certain level of performance that most actors can't hit. But whenever the action scenes start, my eyes glaze over. Whenever, uh, w what's the what's the main bad guy's name? Gideon. Gra oh, Gravik. 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 Whenever he's on screen, I'm just like, I I don't care, buddy. I don't care that you're a super scroll. I don't care that you're suddenly just, you know, using the other scrolls as targets for to start off a war between the U.S. and Russia. None of this is interesting. I thought the action scene, I will say, I thought it had one of the better action scenes I've seen in an MCU TV show when um, 
Vara and Gaia took on Gravik's forces because that was pretty brutal. Homeboy got like shot. There's blood splatter like in the face. The choreography was good. So I'm not even mad at the action. It's just like you said, all of it does not add up to me to feel like anything. And there's also some weird inconsistencies as people are pointing out in the comments. Like the whole hospital sequence with the president just feels so off. If the president of the United States was almost assassinated and what the response to that would be. Nick Fury is just walking out of a hospital with a bunch of Secret Service people pointing guns at him. And he's just like, I'm going to stroll out, which looks cool, but does not actually feel like anything that could ever happen in the history of even a fictional world. So, yeah. Janelle, Matt, maybe you guys have more positivity to add to this. Janelle? Unfortunately, no. Uh, I, I haven't really been into this from episode one. They kind of lost me with the big ending of episode one, it kind of just shocked me. I also don't love like political. I don't, I don't watch any of those types of shows anyways. Like give me Dr. Strange, give me some multiversal weird spacey timey wimey stuff. So this, this never really like took off for me anyways. Um, I will say that like, I feel like everybody's doing their job as actors. Um, I think they're, they're doing a great job of selling these characters. It's just the script is just not engaging. Like I don't feel very uh, interested or intrigued on what's happening. I'm kind of just like, Oh, okay. I think they just tried to do a flip on me or shock me, but I'm just kind of like, Oh yeah, that was predictable. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I have to say this and I say it every time. There is a lot of bad TV shows. There's a lot of bad content. This is not bad content. It's just, it's really hard to put it next to Moon Knight and be like, oh my God, I love this. But it's still, it's good. It's just, it's right. hard to live up to the really, really, really good shows. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you. I think, I mean, number one, my biggest thing is there's not enough, there's not enough Ben Mendelsohn. I'm sorry. Uh, in this show. <laughs> I don't, I don't care about Nick Fury. I care about, like, I, I care about, you know what I mean? Like that, that he forms the, the core of like so much of what works about this series. And then it's just like, but let's just go like whole half of episodes without factoring him in and let's move away and all this other stuff. I just don't care about is is really not going to have an effect because I'm with Kofi. I think by the end of it, I, it's going to take something monumental for me to feel like a twist like saves it. You know what I mean? And like recontextualizes the whole show. Like it's going to have to really take a Electro was a scroll type moment for that to happen. And Brody doesn't cut it. Sorry. Like that's exactly what we thought coming into this. They're going to take a character that's like not being used or something and do that instead of making it hit hard, which is what the comic series did. It was big characters <laughs> it was long running things like you know so yeah i just i've been disappointed there's cool parts i agree with janelle it's not a bad show you know and if you're like looking for stuff i might even go like yeah that would be worth your time but i just man it's a, it's a little bit of a bummer for me man so sorry i couldn't bring up the <laughs> the energy on that the, the guy who likes everything doesn't like this so we're in trouble <laughs> it's uh it's black Oh, you're muted, Kobe. You're muted. We're pretty much in line with the rest of the known world with how Secret Invasion is going. And uh, yes, Brywood says in the comments on Twitch, yeah, Marvel's got to really be careful with picking these names. 
like great you got everybody in to look at it because you called it secret invasion but if you're not gonna you know live up to the comics on that like you may want to just call it how nick got his groove back or something like that you know what yeah. i mean nick fury uh, is yeah. grumpy there, there's a show for you <laughs> rise of the super scrolls just that have been fine too so mm-hmm. that secret invasion uh doesn't look like it's going to get that much better before the end a kind of weird misstep uh, not misstep even but just like it also just leaves us with a weird feeling in our mouths about like is any of this connected anymore like what are we doing here in marvel cinematic universe ah i don't know but agreed Anyway, moving on. Let's talk comics. Woohoo! Oh, so yes. Yeah, so in that tying in that whole synergy thing from earlier, <laughs> hey, guess what? Miss Marvel's not dead anymore, <laughs> or she won't be dead. You know, very very soon. Okay. Um, Marvel let that cat out of the bag a little early. Uh, Wonder and why? It was kind of the thing. You know, I know, like right, like why would they spoil their own series? Um, but so they let it out of the bag a little early that Kamala is going to have her another series and she is in fact a mutant that thing we talked about for forever kind of the logical place for this to go because in the hellfire gala which you can check out an exclusive preview on comicbook.com of some of those pages we see hey hey she wakes up she's in an egg she's now a mutant and the cool the cool part is that um because i like this destination for the character that was never our issue with this whole premise it was just the execution was terrible uh but this endpoint is cool I'm, I'm also I love her being a mutant. It also stacks on top of her inhuman ability. So they're not taking that part away. It's just an additive thing. Cool. Awesome. She's going to get a new series. She's going to be an X-Man. Awesome. So love all that. So that all truly kicks off in uh, the Hellfire Gala. But, you know, that is also kind of a huge thing of the fall of X and the beginning of that chapter and all that. So lots and lots of stuff there. Um so I'm I'm excited that she's back. I think Marvel has a habit of doing these dumb deaths right when a movie launches. Death of Doctor Strange, <laughs> death of Scarlet Witch, or the like all these dumb things. I don't know what it is about them. And they go, hey, a movie's coming out. Let's kill the character. It's just stupid. And it rarely works out. It rarely works out. So stop doing that. <laughs> For the love of Lord, please. All right. Anyway, all right. Uh, I gotta get all ranty. Let's move into something fun. So, Blade number one is the first book of this of this week's books. Um, this is a, a brand new series, a perfect jumping on point. And um, I can actually uh, look. I can start with Hot Girl. I have no problem starting with Hot Girl. But we'll start with Blade. Um, this was, uh, I, I think, actually a, a really good issue, a really good starter issue of kind of it. It recaps, you know, throughout the story exactly what you need to know about blade really who blade is i think one of the cool things about this book is actually that it we typically see blade just like annihilate a bunch of vampires or werewolves things like that you get that here absolutely but i also like that you actually get like a a more of like a one-on-one showdown and you actually get someone who like really stacks up against blade just from a like a technical and you know power level type thing that's something you actually don't get all the time in blade appearances so that's cool and uh, it's fittingly brutal, too. Like, it's not, you know, like, supremely over the top. But there are some sequences in here that, like, hey, I'm reading a Blade book. Like, it actually does feel visceral. It does feel like, oh, man, things are, people get are getting impaled. And <laughs> people are, corpses are being hung from walls. Like, there's a lot of that stuff. Uh, and it ends in a, you know, an interesting place. So, I mean, I thought, I didn't have a lot, a ton of expectations coming into Blade. But I leaving, I'm like, hey. I'm going to stick with it. So that's how I felt. I, who knows if we'll ever get the Blade movie. So for now, this is your best Blade bet. Uh, what did what did everybody else think of this? 
Um, I think like we always talk about first issues being a big deal on when we do these comic things. And I love this one as a issue because it was blessedly simple, yep. blessedly straightforward, but still kind of started to hint at a deeper kind of character arc and like what's going to make this distinct and different, which is exploring, you know, almost blades feeling towards vampires and stuff almost not as and this is getting so messy but like as a kind of prejudice that can be kind of manipulated and used and there's a whole interesting thing in this book about like i knew i could use you just because all you needed was something to hate and you know point you at it and that's and you live up to your name you're just blade a blade to cut things down and it's just like there's a nice little twist in this first issue where you think something's happening, then Blade does his thing, but then you find out that was very much the wrong thing to do. And it sets up a new a quest. And it sets up an easy quest to follow. Like, we got to go get this MacGuffin to stop this thing and why Blade needs to do this. But also, like I said, deeper character evolution of forcing this guy to look at, like, how do I look at things? How do I approach things? What am I doing here? And like, is there some possible way I need to be kind of evolving and it looked gorgeous. So yeah, man. And yeah, vampire action scenes, as people pointed out was like, there's probably one of my favorite sources in here since the actual blood rave in the blade movie, which is Elena uh, Casagrande just knocked that out apart. Yeah. And just him using, doing a fight and like me looking at the art and being like, Oh man, I would have to stay in like, yeah. And he does like fighting with these ultraviolet headlights and staying in the headlights to battle these vampires and, just cool stuff. So it had all the basics you love about Blade. And like I said, a simply a blessedly simple story that that offers some adventure around the Marvel Universe, plus some character complexity. So I was good with this. Yeah. Janelle, Connor. Yeah, I thought this was super like straightforward. Like Kofi said, um, really easy to understand. I was excited by the twist. I was very happy about like what was going on with our, I guess, villain now and intrigued about what's going to happen next. Um, I don't know Blade other than the movies, the old school movies. So I feel like I'm getting a better sense of Blade with these comics. And that always makes me feel really excited. So um, when they just kind of show a little bit more about our lead character's personality, that makes me really happy. And I feel like I get that in this one for sure. Yeah. And there is some synergy here. Like Brian Hill very much draws from the films. Yeah. Like you get, you do yes. get, it was mentioned in the comments. Uh, like you do get that feel. Absolutely. Um, Connor, what'd you think? I unfortunately did not read this this week. I love me some Daywalker, but Matt, let me ask you this. Did he say a line about some mofos always trying to ice skate uphill? No, we did not. Then what are we even doing here? <laughs> that did not. Oh, happen. this blade. Yeah, yeah. This blade isn't isn't funny. He ain't doing quips. Yeah, yeah. he's, 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 he's more heads. of a like. There's actually a suaveness to like the design, like the character design and stuff. But he's you know, lethal, and I love that. This is more for like the Midnight Boys because it's getting really black as hell. But the <laughs> one thing I kept thinking in this book was like, shout out to the artists who are taking the time to do the complexities of black haircuts because his lines in this are perfect. <laughs> like blades, blades, sidelines in this are perfect all oh, throughout yeah. the thing, and that's a big deal. Listen, inclusion's a big deal. This is part mm-hmm. of it. Like, taking some time to not just color in some black dude's hair with just black marker and blues and stuff like that, and actually putting in lines and cuts as an actual guy would get his hair cut. Somebody as stylistic as Blade, and even that Wesley Snipes style cut into it. You got to draw that. And so, shout yeah. out to the artists who are doing that because 
people like me noticed. I was like, damn, blades, lines are sharp, baby. All right. Yeah, so that stuff uh, matters, man. Yeah. That stuff matters. No, absolutely. He does. Um, and then moving into Hawk Girl. And actually, it's it's funny that you you mentioned that because because uh, <laughs> there are things in Hawk Girl, like we talk about characters. I've always been a Hawk Girl fan, specifically Kendra. So obviously, you know, I was always going to at least give this a shot. Um, but it's a character that I've grown to love, maybe despite the fact that uh, we don't always know as much about her, you know, like the, the spotlights on her actually as a character, other than just the kind of brawling, you know, flight side of the Justice League have been, you know, limited. There's not as many uh, to pick from, but some of those have been great. So I, I, I've grown a, a love for the character. And so it's awesome here that we actually get a lot of that. Like it, a lot of that gets pulled back. The series is really exploring who she is. They're obviously putting in her a new environment. She's a metropolis. The Justice League is disbanded. So she's really there solo kind of for the first time. One of the running themes I love is that like, I could watch Power Girl and Hawk Girl like have conversations just like forever because there's some great stuff between them. But you know, she mentions like she's always been part of a team and then she runs down all the teams <laughs> she's been a part of. She's like, okay, okay. So like we're actually getting to see her operate solo and yes, there's other characters that mix in. There's a great spot with her and Batman, but we're really just like getting a sense of who she is, the loss she's had, some of the the things she's had to deal with with Hawkman, which obviously we know that whole legacy and everything is crazy twisted up. And so uh, I, I just really enjoyed getting to know her more as a character. And I hope that continues. I, I love swinging a Mason stuff. <laughs> that's great that's awesome but like i just really enjoy getting to see that and it was also nice to see like hey like you know she's talking about her abuela here like there's actually some some moments where we go oh wow you know we actually get to to, to learn about her her culture and her as a person and things so i dug that i was i was really a fan of that um and there was a big enough hook here with her wings and the metal and how that relates to things that i was i'm, I'm intrigued so uh i was i was digging it but i know we haven't covered a lot of hot girl here on this show so what did everybody think of this um, i mean i'm simple i think this was the opposite of blade for me it was a little too dense and kind of convoluted and not clear in where it was going um i think there's a lot of weird stylistic things going on in this book like part of it wants to be very tom king-ish with the kind of overarching narration. And I was like, okay, this is interesting for the first couple pages. But then it just turned into more feeling like a Dan Jurgens like throwback classic, kind of the heroes fighting villains and all that stuff with more of a new age kind of like neo feminist angle with more of like Kendra just living her life, figuring herself out as a woman going through these various scenes where she like catches up with an old person she knew and Metropolis was going through these life changes or sitting around her apartment and like doing stuff, talking about her abuela. And so there's a lot going on in this book and, and it just felt like it was a little overstuffed for me. And I think it more than anything made me realize that DC tends to have a problem with these kind of, adding female versions to these characters. Like every character doesn't have consistency, right? They're all like this hodgepodge of different changing things that eventually become messy. Supergirl, Batgirl, Hawkgirl, like all three of them, like all of their continuities, their characterizations, everything about them and how they're handled has changed so much through the eras that it, it is kind of, it is kind of, I think the one thing that I can think could come out of this is, crafting a version of Kendra over these six issues that 
can become definitive and stable for some time. And I hope they do that because Hawk Girl deserves that. Because I think, I mean, it's weird that like the Justice League cartoon has been best right. at it. Yeah, no, I agree with you on it. I agree with you probably on everything but Batgirl. Because I think they've, they, over time, like there is a very much a, well, they barred Barbara Brack, place. But like, you know what I'm saying? But like, there's a, yeah. there's an idea of who Barbara is kind of regardless of like how everything else changes around her. Um, but I agree with you on like, yeah, like Supergirl, Power Girl in this very issue, like Power Girl has had a crazy history of that, like not ever really finding kind of a tone that like, yeah, 100%, that's that's it. And we all kind of need to stay consistent in some ways. Um, but I agree with you. Oh, uh, C- Connor, Janelle? I don't trust Hot Girl ever since the animated series, so I did not read this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I kind of did the same thing. I kind of... As soon as I opened it up, I was like, oh, no, it's a wordy one. Uh, <laughs> I could just tell at the front, the first page. I was like, oh, no, this is this is going to be a but it wasn't long. It was just quite dense. Like yeah, Kofi said, it's not terrible by any means. I mean, the artwork's beautiful. It's poppy. It's colorful. It's well drawn. Every character looks fantastic. Um, I, I'm picking up what they're putting down. I am very intrigued about galaxy girl yeah mm-hmm. galaxy, galaxy. Yeah. i'm so excited about galaxy uh, to me galaxy is everything like that's the whole reason why i'd want to keep reading <laughs> i love the power set i love her relationship i love the corgi like i'm yeah, eating, corgi. eating that up but i i do think that hawk girl was outshined by galaxy in her own book yeah. No, absolutely. I understand. Okay. Uh, moving into pull list Rex real quick. Uh, just knocking off a couple. Something is killing the children. Number 31 is the like Erica slaughters really has a nemesis now. And in this book, like they just like, they've been building that for a while and she's been around, but like here cutter becomes like this just true nemesis to her. And it's just a brutal issue. There's so much like this series is so good. Uh, you should definitely be reading this. Uh, Radiant Black, uh, number 25. We're about to start a huge catalyst war uh, with everything in the Massiverse. And so this is really kind of the start to that. It's It's been building, but this is really where that launches. So you should definitely check that out and all the other Massiverse books as well. And then finally, Moon Knight, uh, City of the Dead, number one. This is a series that is going to introduce Layla as well, kind of into the comics universe and, you know, kind of do that mirroring thing of the MCU. But it's just as a standalone thing, like Jed McKay has been killing the main Moon Knight run, but this is excellent. And actually a, a really interesting and different enough companion piece that like, there's not a ton of, there's enough connecting tethers, but it's not a bunch of bleed over. So like you won't be overloaded. Definitely recommend this. Uh, so yeah, that's comics this week. And that'll do it for our show. This is Comic Book Nation. If you're just getting into it, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts on your favorite podcast platforms. Also subscribe to our YouTube page on comic book at youtube.com backslash comic book, all one word, dash nation. If you are just getting in, be sure you also go check out our full spoiler review breakdown of Chris Nolan's Oppenheimer that was released this week. There is so much to talk about with that film and we get into a lot of it so go check that out after this and after you see the film and otherwise we hope you guys have a great time going out to the movies for barbie heimer weekend or if you're just staying home there's a lot to catch as we said on the small screen as well so we hope you enjoy that 
Join us here next week when we will be back to discuss something I don't know quite what yet, but it'll be another interesting episode of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and cinema. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you guys next time. Janelle Wheeler, Matthew Aguilar, Connor Casey. You guys want to say any goodbyes? Deuces. Enjoy the cinema. Yeah. All right, peace. Thanks for watching. Peace.